going to dive right into the Word today, um, and I'm, I'm looking forward, we're starting a new series, and I, I'll kind of tell you a little bit about it before we jump in. Um, I was reading this week, and, and I read a story, uh, it was actually a story that, that John Maxwell tells, and um, he said when he was younger, one of his teachers uh, told him this story as well. There are these three boys that... Every day they walked to school together. They walked to school and they walked home from school every day. And as they walked, they walked all along this, uh, I'm sorry, before I dive into that story, uh, Anthem Alive. Y'all didn't put my sign up, guys. Anthem, Anthem Alive, fifth through eighth grade. Uh, if you want to go with, uh, with Gerald, he's back here. We got our service ready for you. You can be dismissed at this time. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't do that earlier. Uh, my fault. All right. So, these three boys would walk, and there, there was this high wall. You couldn't see anything over the wall. It was solid. They couldn't see anything on the other side, and they never knew what was on the other side. They always wondered, like, you know, what adventures could be in store for them, what great things could be on the other side. But they never had the courage to climb over the wall and see what was there. And one day they were walking home from school, and one of the boys, he couldn't take it anymore, so he took his hat off, and he threw his hat over the wall. And his buddy said, hey, man, what are you doing? And he said, well, look, my hat's on the other side. Now I have no choice but to go and get it. And once I'm there, I'm going to see what's on, side, on the other side of this wall. And so the other two boys, uh, this kid, the one kid took off, started climbing the wall. The other two boys didn't want to be left behind. So what did they do? They, threw their, they took their hats and threw them all over the wall. Because they knew if they went home without their hat, they'd be in trouble. And so they started climbing the wall, and they went off. And, they, and once they got over there, they sought all the adventures that had been hidden from them, that had, they had been blocked from because they were unwilling to climb this wall. Over the next few weeks, I, I want to talk to you in, in this series, and my hope is this. You, you see, we, we walk along these walls in our life that keep us boxed in, boxed into our life, boxed into these dreams, what boxed into these plans, boxed into this way of life, this way of thinking. Um, we've, got to, we've got to live life in this direction. We can't do it any other way. There's no way out from where we are. And yet I want to encourage you today, if you will, to metaphorically take your hat off and throw it over the wall and force yourself to climb over the wall and see what God might have for you. See what dreams he might have in store for you. See what adventures he might want to take you on. What, what business he want, might want you to start. What relationships are in front of you. What great things that God has. But what we have to do is be willing to climb the wall. Sarah Van Brethnick said it like this. You may have seen me post this quote this week. The world needs dreamers. And the world needs doers. But above all else, what the world needs are dreamers that do. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be a person that has big dreams but doesn't have the courage to chase them. I don't want to be a person that talks about what I could do if it weren't for the walls in my life, the limitations in my life. I want to be a person that is willing to take a big risk even if it means losing out in the long run. I, I want to be a person that's willing to throw my hat over the wall. I want to be a dreamer that does something with the dream. What about you in your life? Are you a dreamer? 
Are you a person that has ideas, that has vision, that has thoughts? What it would be like if you did this? Man, one of these days, I want to do that. I've always, I've got a bucket list, and I want to do this, and I want to do that. Whatever, whatever it is, are you a dreamer? Or are you just a doer? Well, I'm an action person. I just do whatever someone else tells me to do. Look, we need both of them. But what I want to speak into your heart today is to be a dreamer that does something. Listen to the dreams that God has put in your heart. See the visions that he's put in your mind. Hear the words that he's placed in your spirit and then go after them. But we, we don't because of the limitations. I, I, I can't, Pastor Randon, I'm worried about this, I fear of that, and I, I've got this excuse and that excuse, but today let's throw our hats over the wall. How many have ever been to the circus? Anybody ever been to the circus? Have you ever noticed how they can take a massive elephant, 10 foot tall, 4 tons, and they can convince that elephant to be led around or to stay tied by just one little bitty rope. You know good and well the elephant could break that rope in a heartbeat, right? You, you know that. We're talking literally a full-grown male Asian elephant is 10 feet tall and weighs up to 4 tons. He can snap that rope without even trying. And yet they don't. Why is that? Because they were trained that way. When the elephants are born, they're only a few hundred pounds. What they do is they take a chain and they chain the elephant to a, to a big tree or a massive stake that's been driven into the ground, like a, like a telephone pole-sized stake. And they chain the elephant to that. So the elephant automatically tries to pull away. And every time he does, he hits that chain. And he hits that chain. While he's still young and can't break the chain, he convinces himself that he has a limitation. And if he pulls against the chain or the rope, it's going to hurt him. And he'll never be able to break it. So when the elephant is fully grown, they don't need a chain. They don't need a tree. They could, they could tie him with, with a rope to one of these chairs and the elephant will stand there the entire time. Why? Because he has put limitations on himself as a baby that are now impacting him and and directing the course of his actions as an adult full-grown elephant. They're called artificial limitations. Artificial limitations. They may have once been real, but they are no longer real. They have, may have once been a problem for the elephant, but they are no longer a problem for the elephant. When Kennedy was young, uh, you know, she, we had her in the baby bed and uh, you know, she was doing great. Well, it was time to move Kennedy from the baby bed to the toddler bed, all right? So my mom goes out, and she buys Kennedy this little bitty princess toddler bed, four-poster bed with crowns on each of the four posts. That doesn't sound like my mom at all, does it? And so what was, what was so hilarious was Kennedy was so adjusted to sleeping in her baby bed and, and the walls that she couldn't climb over, the bars that she couldn't get out of that bed, that when we put her in the toddler bed, she never got out. She would wake up in the morning and cry and stand on the bed and wait for you to come get her. Because in her mind, the bars were still there. Are you tracking with me? The bars weren't there. You know as well as I do. And one, but one day, we finally convinced her to get out of the bed on her own, 
all after that, every morning, five o'clock in the morning. She hear, hear, I would hear her coming, do, 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 all the way through the house, hair going everywhere. Daddy, I laked up. It's not time to lake up. Go back to sleep. Okay, can I get in the bed with you? As long as you stop talking. That's all that I ask. But here was the point. Just like that elephant, Kennedy was living life. She had no bars, but she was living life as if she was still behind the walls. Until one day she broke out. And I don't know if you ever raised a toddler trying to teach them how to stay in a toddler bed, but once they learn they can get out, the race is on. You know what? We as people are just like those elephants and just like Kennedy. We can live life with artificial limitations, things that we put on ourselves, things that may have been a problem years ago, but, but you've outgrown that problem. You're stronger than that limitation. The rope that was tying you is no longer tying you. It's broken. The chains that were holding you down, God's already set you free, and he's already delivered you from that. You're already free to go, but we live our life tied down to artificial limitations. We live our lives behind the walls of our baby bed because that's what used to hold us in, but now we are free to run, we are free to dream, and we are free to do, but we don't. I was wondering if y'all were out there this morning. Artificial limitations, holding us back, keeping us down. We, we used to be held down. Th those things, they're not permanent. Th that we don't possess those things anymore. We don't have those problems anymore. We can take the journey that God's called us to. In this series, I, we're, we're titling it Mastermind. Mastermind. If you can change your thoughts, you can change your life. If you can change the way you think, if you can change your mind, if you could master your mind, you could change your thoughts. But today, I, I want to talk to you specifically on this idea, uh, my worst enemy. I want to talk to you about my worst enemy in my life, and it's probably the same for you. You just may not know it. In general, I live my life thinking that everyone likes me. I don't know how you live. But I just, I just wake up in the morning, everywhere I go, I tend to think everyone likes me. Until you prove to me that you don't, I'm just going to assume that you like me. I have to do this. One of the, one of the reasons I have to, if I thought you all didn't like me, you know how hard it would be stand up, to stand up here every Sunday morning? I was, talk, I was talking with some of our interns this week. And so we got a new class of interns, and or this was actually last week, and, and I was talking with them, and they, and they were asking questions about preaching. They were saying, Pastor Ryan, how do you do it? How do you stand up and preach in front of the same audience? And, you know, how do you do this? I was like, one of the ways is you just have to assume that everyone likes you. Now, there's a few of you, I don't look right at you when I'm preaching because I'm not so sure about you. <laughs> and I'm afraid if I look too long, I'll get sure, so I just don't look right at you. There's a few people that you're always smiling at me, and if you'll notice, I look at you a lot more. Because I live my life just, just, just under the assumption that people like me. And why wouldn't you? I'm a nice guy. I love Jesus. I love my wife. I mostly love my kids. I love my church. I, you know. <laughs> no, I, I, but I, I don't know how you, you know, many people live thinking the world is against them. I don't. I just, I, I, I just... I just live life thinking everyone likes me, everyone wants to be around me, everyone wants to talk with me. Um, I just, that's just how I live my life. And I'm probably wrong, 
and it's okay to be wrong in this, in this aspect. Because I'll tell you, I'm pretty happy with it. I just, I, just like, I just wake up in the morning feeling good about things because I think I'm going to meet somebody today. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to like me. <laughs> and, and I enjoy living this way. But, but, I, but I also have an enemy. I don't know if you have an enemy. Maybe, maybe it's a coworker that is always trying to be sneaky and get in with the boss and, and stealing credit for your stuff and seems to be getting away with everything. And they talk bad about you all the time. Maybe it's a boss who's always pushing you down and no matter what you do, they won't let you up. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's your neighbor who, you know, mows his grass and blows all of the grass over on your driveway and makes you sweep it off. I don't, know, I don't know who your enemy is, but I, I have one enemy, and this enemy haunts me. This enemy keeps me up at night. Again, I'm a person who lives life thinking everybody loves me, but this enemy, this enemy's brutal. No matter where I go, I can't seem to get away from them and this enemy. Uh, well, let me read you a scripture, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll tell you about it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For we live in the world, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. How many of you live in the world? Okay, if you don't, we've got a life team to help you. We've got a small group for that. <laughs> but watch this. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. So the way your enemy is fighting against you is not the way you fight. The things that your enemy is doing to get ahead and to push you down and defeat you is not the way we fight. It might be the way you're currently fighting, but it's not the way you should fight. This is what Paul's trying to tell us. That's not how we fight, guys. That's not how we do it. You know, when your kids come home and, and they tell you what someone did to them, and, and, uh, and then they did it back, and, and you're, so you're, their excuse is, well, Dad, they did it to me first. Yes, but that's not what we do. Right? You've ever had that talk with your kids? Well, they pushed me. Yes, but, but that's not what we do. Well, they talked bad about me, but that's not what we do. This, this is what Paul's saying. That's not what we do. They're fighting one way. We don't fight that way. On the contrary, here, and here's why this is so important. On the contrary, um, we have power to demolish strongholds. Here's, here's what we have. This word power, you remember uh, earlier in the summer we talked about this word power. It's called dunamis. It means explosive, miraculous power. This is what Paul says. There are strongholds that are, your enemy is behind. High walls, big fences, raining down uh, cannons and bombs on you at all times. And you can't seem to break through the wall. But he said, here's what you have. You have the supernatural power to not just get a crack in the stronghold, hold, but to demolish it. I don't know what strongholds are in your life. I don't know who you're facing. I don't know what enemies you're fighting. I don't know what addiction you're fighting. I, I, I don't know what financial problems you're fighting. I don't know what strongholds, what generational curses have, have set themselves up in your life. But I want you to know you have the power to overcome it. But we have to ask the question, how, how do we fight then? Okay, I, I want to defeat this enemy, but what is the enemy and what weapons am I fighting with? Does that sound like a good question to you? Watch this, verse 5. 
We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive uh, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Here's what we have to understand. The enemy you're fighting is not your neighbor, your coworker, your boss, your spouse, your high school bully. That's not your enemy. Your enemy is your own thoughts and it's your own mind. My worst enemy is not a person. My worst enemy is the thoughts that I'm thinking at the time. My worst enemy are arguments that are setting themselves up against what God has said. God has said great things about you. He has said to you that you are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. He has said that you are more than an overcomer. He has said that he knows the plans he has for you, plans to prosper you. Yeah, but Pastor Ren, and I've always been broken. My family's broken. We don't have any money. No, no, what God said of you is that he has plans. He already has it thought out to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And so when our own thoughts are working against that, what we are actually doing is fighting against God, against the knowledge that God has of you and your future in your life. The enemy, I'm, I'm not even, I want you to understand this, I'm not even fighting the devil. I'm fighting my own mind. My arguments, pretensions, thoughts have to come into captivity. I, I was listening to, we, we, we started a small group with our staff, and it's one that we'll launch in the spring for everyone, but we're going through with our staff first. In the first session, Pastor Chris Hodges was teaching us, and one of the things he said that just hit me, especially I've been, as I've been preparing for this message. He said, do you know that the devil can't harm you? He can't harm you. He can't physically hurt you. He can't do anything to you. But what does he do? He puts thoughts in your mind. He puts ideas in your brain. He puts lies in your head. And he convinces you to lock yourself up into captivity. He can't get you caught up into addiction. So what does he do? He convinces you that you're not stronger than the addiction, and therefore you never do what it takes to get out. He convinces you that you can't overcome the temptation, that your flesh wants it so bad you can't do anything else. And so what do you do? You go off and do it. What do the devil didn't, you said, well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. He put the thoughts in our mind. And instead of taking them captive, and instead of raising up against the stronghold of pretensions and arguments that are coming against the thoughts of God, the plans of God for your life, what he said over you, we take that on. Are you tracking with me today? My worst enemy is my own thoughts, my own mind. How many things has God told me I could do, but I didn't do them because I told myself I couldn't? How many times has God told me, throw your hat over the wall? But I wouldn't throw my hat over the wall because I was fearful or worried or stressed out or confused. I'm a, I'm, I'm a visionary and I like to know what's coming. But that same thing that makes me great also can become one of my greatest fears, my greatest anxieties. When I don't know what's coming, I get great anxiety. When I go to a new place, uh, I, I over-prepare for things. I ask a million questions because I want to be prepared. I like to know what's coming. 
So the thing that God put in me to make me great, also when I don't have it, can become my greatest struggle. And so it can keep me from stepping out by faith. Why? Because I can't see the plan clearly enough, God. And he's saying, Randon, yes, but that's why it's called a step of faith. My own mind. I want to give you this, this morning. Um, are, you, are you okay today? I've, I've realized that the thoughts I struggle with the most are, are my own and that, that my thoughts have laid claim to my life and my future. And I've got to bring them into captivity. I, if I were to give you a, my sermon in a sentence today, it would simply be this. My thoughts, my thoughts are my worst enemy. But if I could change my thoughts, I could change my life. If you could change your thoughts, you could change your life. Wherever you are today, you could change your life. If we could master our mind, get rid of artificial limitations. Three truths I want to give you today. And, and my goal is we're going to kind of lay the foundation for this series. And we'll talk in more depth uh, through these and, and other things uh, over the next month or so. Next Sunday is our 35th anniversary of Triumph. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, we're going to have some special things planned for after service. Bishop and Pastor Renee will be here along with Lindsay and I, and we'll be sharing with you some of our heart and just talking about 35 years and celebrating what God has done. And I hope you'll come and, and join us, and let's celebrate together. What good is a birthday party if, you're, if the people closest to you don't show up? And uh, so come and, and celebrate with us, and then we'll be back uh, on this topic the following week. But here's truth number one. Truth number one. The life you have is a reflection of of the thoughts you think. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. If you're following on the app, you know you can get our app notes. Make sure you're filling in the blanks here. The truth, the life you have is a reflection of the thoughts you think. Here's another way to say it. Your life follows your thoughts. You think on something long enough, you'll end up attempting it. You think, you, you think on sin long enough, you'll, you'll eventually try to sin. But if, if you think about doing something good long enough, you'll eventually do something with it because our life follows our thoughts. The problem is that my mind has become conditioned with limitations that are keeping me from my highest potential. So because my thoughts are lower than God's thoughts, I keep every time God tries to bring me higher, I keep bringing myself down lower. Here's what, here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. However you're thinking, that's who you are. That's how you are. I, for, for however you think in your heart, so are you. That's how you live. That's how you function. Because our life follows our thoughts. What comes into your mind comes out in your life. Whatever comes into your mind comes out in your life. Whatever comes into your brain, whatever comes into your thoughts, if our, if our life follows our thoughts, if it comes in, then our life flows out of that. So my question to you then is, where are you headed? Where are you headed? If your life is following your thoughts, where are you headed? Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your strongest thoughts. What is your strongest thought? What is the thing you think about more than anything? Not only that, not just something that you dream about and you, and you think about in the mornings or when it's quiet, but what is that, th that thought 
that continually drives your life, whatever your strongest thought is, it starts to show up in how you spend your time and how you spend your money, how you spend your energy. What is your strongest thought? I was, I was talking r- with Rakita this week, and, and we were just talking about our worship team and our worship sets and, and, and uh, just worship in general, and we were having a, having a meeting, and, and we were talking about how that um, certain songs speak to people in different places in their life. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, there are certain songs that just really speak to people because that's where they are. But if you're not there, you might say, well, that's a good song, but it's not really for me. Like it's a, I, I see why people would like it. It's just that's not where I am. Because what, what the strongest, what's strongest in my mind starts to pull on things. So there are certain worship songs that I listen to that I don't, we don't sing on Sunday morning. I don't share with everyone, but they, they are pulling on something in me because that's where I am. And it's connecting with the thoughts that I am singing, that I am thinking. And so uh, your life follows your strongest thought. What is your strongest thought? Where are you heading? Are you heading for bigger things or are you heading for the mundane? Is your life heading in the wrong direction or is it heading in the right direction? Wherever it's going, it's following your strongest thoughts. Most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. God speaking his truth to you and and Satan is speaking his lies about you. God's telling you his promises and, and Satan is telling you can never do it. God's telling you you were made for more and Satan's telling you, no, not you, someone else. It's this battle. If you don't like where you're headed, change your thoughts. Change your thoughts. If you don't like where you're going, change your thoughts on it. If you don't like something in your life, change how you think about it, and your life will follow your new thoughts. One of the things we're going to be doing over the next, uh, through the course of this series, and and I would encourage you, if if you are not, if you haven't liked our Triumph Facebook page or our Instagram uh, accounts, uh, please do so because one of the things we'll be posting every morning, uh, hopefully, I don't know what time you get up, but, but uh, early in the morning, there will be a post with a positive be- message, uh, a positive quote, a, a positive verse, something to get your day started. And I want to challenge you to read it before you ever get out of bed. Just grab it, look it up, look on the Triumph page and read it. Why? Because I want you to begin your day with a positive thought and believe that your life is going to follow that thought. Begin your day with a promise from God and then believe that your life is going to follow that promise. So I want to encourage you to do that. Truth number one, the life you have is a reflection of the thoughts that you think. Truth number two, truth number two, your life, I want you to get this now, your life is not your environment. Your life is not your environment. Um, when, when uh, 1991, 92, about 15, 16 years ago, my parents bought uh, the property out in LaBelle that we refer to as the ranch where, where Lindsay and I live now. And um, my parents have a beautiful home there. And we started with about 42 acres. Dad now has about 90 acres or so. But it was just a, it was just a, a rice, an old rice pasture, rice um, field, uh, cow pasture. It wasn't anything to look at. And we started building the whole thing up from, from the ground up. We dug ponds and built the houses up. But one of the things that Dad and I did was we went in and we started planting oak trees. 
or several different types of trees, but primarily oak trees. So when you drive in now, you drive down and you'll see when you come down, about down the driveway, there are oak trees about every 30 feet or so down the driveway. They surround his yard. They surround the pond. Uh, they, they're back by his barn. They're back by my grandmother's house. They're back by the back lake. All these trees. But you've got to know these trees were not there when we started. What happened was he went over to Louisiana uh, Forest Hill, is that what it's called, where they, where they sell all the trees and, and, and it's, uh, the plants and all that stuff? And so he goes over there with a trailer, and he starts bringing in trailer loads of these smaller trees. Some trees, we bought a bunch of trees that were about eight foot tall. They were in pots about this big. It was an oak tree about six or eight feet tall in a, in a pot. And we'd have to dig the hole out, and we'd have to plant it just right, and we'd stake it down, and we'd tie it off, and, uh, and then it, eventually it took root and grew. We, we bought some that were 12 and 14 feet, and then some were that were six and eight, 16 and 18 feet. So different sizes. But depending on where we were planting them, we always we, we took those trees and we planted them uh, right next to each other. But here's, here's, what, here's what I want to share with you. The size of the tree was determined by the size of the pot that it was in. Same seed, it was all oak trees. It was all, they were all oak trees, therefore it came from the seed of an oak tree. Right? They weren't different type trees. They were all oak trees. But the six-foot tree had a pot about this big. And the 12-foot tree had a pot about this big. And the 14-foot tree and the 16-foot trees, they had huge pots that you had to get off with a tractor. We couldn't even get them off. Because the size of the tree was not determined by the seed. It was determined by the pot. Here's what I want you to know in your life. You, your life is not your environment. You may have an environment problem, but you don't have a seed problem. The seeds that God put in you are seeds for greatness, seeds for big things, seeds to dream big and accomplish his purposes in your life. You are a son or daughter of the king. You are an heir to all the promises that come, all of the good things that come with being a child of the king. You don't have a seed problem. Are you with me? But you might have a, you might have a pot problem. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming, sorry. I don't know how to get out of it now. <laughs> Let's just go with it. You may have a big pot problem. <laughs> but here's what I want you to get. Your environment may be those walls we talked about that are keeping you in. But what I want to convince you of today, it's not a you problem. It's not a seed problem. It's not a what God has in store for you problem. It's an environment problem. You might need to change your environment. Or you might need to recognize that God's going to ca cause you to grow despite your environment. But whatever the case is, you've got to know, I don't have a seed problem. God made me. He designed me. I, I, and the world can't tell me what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do. My environment can't stop me. 
I'm breaking out of the pot. I, I, God is setting me in good soil, and I'm going to grow, and I'm going to flourish. When we, changed, when we changed those trees from the small pot into the good ground, now when you drive into our house, every one of those trees is at least 20 foot tall. Some are 30 and bigger than that. They're huge. They're massive, and they're beautiful. Why? Because we got them into the right soil. We got them out of the wrong environment and into the right environment. My question to you is, are there some environments in your life that you need to change? They're keeping you walled in. And you're trying to bust out, but you can't bust out because of the environment that you're in. You might need to make some environment changes. If I can convince you of this today. Don't let where you are determine who you are. Don't let where you are determine who you are. Are you feeling something this morning? I, I'm, I'm trying to speak into your spirit. I'm trying to change your thoughts here. It's going to take us a little time, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to get, get you pumped up so you can understand. Don't let where you are determine who you are. You may have been born into one environment, one family culture, one set of circumstances, but it doesn't have to determine who you are. You are who God said you are. And you know what God said of you in the book of Ephesians? He said you are his masterpiece. Your environment may be broken. Your environment may be limited. But you are not unless you keep yourself bound by the limitations of your environment. Don't let where you are determine who you are. Here's what I'm convinced of. God's not surprised by your environment. God didn't sit in heaven and so you know what? I want to I want to make a person here. And 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 I, I'm going to I want them to do great things in the world. I've got great plans, a great destiny for them. And so he put it all in you. He put desires, he put hopes, he put dreams, he put ideas, he put creativity, he put abilities, he put anointings in you, and he put it all together. And then he sets you in the earth. He sets you in a family. He sets you in a city. He sets you in a school. He sets you in a culture. He sets you in a time frame. And he sets you in there. And then he looked up, and you're, and you're 35, 45 years old, and, and you're going, but God, my environment. And he goes, I even think about that. That's not what God does. The Father doesn't look over at Jesus and say, man, we, we really missed it on this one. If we had only known. No, no, no. God knew who you are. He knew what he made you to be. And guess what? He knew where he put you. And so here's what that means. If you have an environment problem, he either is going to give you what you need to grow despite your environment or he's going to give you the courage and the idea and the fortitude to break out of your environment. If you don't like your environment, change it. And that starts by changing your mind and changing your thoughts. But either way, don't let your environment determine your destiny. Only God controls my destiny. They did a study on fleas. You know, the ones that get on your, your dogs or your cat, the fleas. And these researchers put fleas in a container and they put a lid on the top. Well, immediately these fleas started trying to jump out. They were jumping and jumping and jumping. And they kept hitting the lid. 
They kept hitting the lid and they kept hitting the lid and they kept hitting the lid. And eventually, after a little while, all the fleas quit trying to get out because they got tired of hitting their head on the roof. So after a little while, the researchers took the lid off and much to their surprise, they found that the fleas never even attempted to jump out because they had been so conditioned to hitting their head on their ceiling and on the lid and saying, we can never get out of this, that even when the lid was removed, they never even made an attempt. Have you done the same thing? You convinced yourself that your environment had a lid on it and you could never be more. You could never do more. You could never go anywhere else. You could never break out. And you tried to get out and you tried to make a change and you tried to do something different, but you've hit your head so many times, you've given up. Can I tell you that God sent me here to encourage you? He's removing the lid off of your environment. Try again. Uh, those trees at the ranch we planted one other unique thing about them that I find and I, and I want to encourage you wherever you are I want to encourage you with this <clears throat> we took the same size trees and we planted them and when you, when you come down our driveway you'll see and around our house you'll see about every 30 or 40 feet there's another tree they were all the same size Every one of those trees was about the same size. We bought them all, and when we planted them all, you, it, it would, you could put a level across the top of them. They were all the same. But when you drive by now, some trees are big. Some trees are small. Some trees are lush and green all of the time. And other trees, they're, they're green, but they're just kind of green. Why? Same sunshine. Same rain, same dirt. But unbeknownst to us, underground, there are waterways flowing underneath the dirt. And some of those trees we planted, the roots went down and they found their ways and in, in, in they, in they tapped into that water, that fresh water that's flowing underneath the ground all the time. And so when drought comes, it doesn't matter. They keep growing. Why? Their roots are down deep into a source of water that the rest of the world can't see. Here's what the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. Verse 2. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees. Watch this. Planted along the riverbank bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never, never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. You see, you can be in the same environment as the person right next to you, but when you get tapped into the source of life and you get tapped into the water of God, you're going to grow, you're going to thrive, you can be more, you'll be lush and green and beautiful. Your, your, weaves, your leaves, your weaves ain't going to be... Oh, hallelujah, your weave isn't going to wither and your leaves aren't going to wither. None of that. Why? Because you are, you are, that's two today, man. I am on it right now. Oh, Lord have mercy. If you're watching online, please forgive me. I want to encourage you. Just hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Get tapped into the source. Get tapped into the word of God. Get tapped into what his, his promises are for you. 
get tapped in because you can be in the same environment as the person right next to you but your results can be different because Jesus came that we might have life and we might have it more abundantly get tapped into what he said about you can I get an amen this morning Number three, and, and I'm going to move quickly on this one um, because I want to come back to it later. You were not meant to live someone else's life. You weren't meant to live someone else's life. You, we have to beware the disease of comparisonism because we can get so busy looking at what others have, what they, how they live, the way they walk, the way they dress, the way they talk, uh, their attitudes, their giftings, their anointings, their abilities, and we can get so busy wanting that that we lose track of what God gave us. You were not meant to live someone else's life. In Matthew 25, uh, Jesus talks about this as he says he gave uh, one talent, uh, uh, the, the servant one ta- uh, five talents, another one he gave two talents, and another one he gave one talent, each according to his own ability. But listen, here's the thing. Somebody gets five, somebody gets two, somebody gets one. But whatever you're given, you're held responsible for. If you're a two-talent kind of person, you don't want five talents because God's going to hold you responsible for that. But here's what you need to know. Whatever God gave you, He gave you, He put in you the seeds of everything you need to accomplish greatness in your life. Be careful that you don't allow comparison to stop you because God's already given you. Let me just say it to you this way. You don't need a great gift for God to use you in a great way. You don't need a great gift for God to use you in a great way. You can make a huge impact on your your world. You can accomplish God's purposes for you. You can accomplish your dreams in life even without a great gift. Pastor Randall, I can't stand up there and, and speak in front of people like you can. That doesn't mean God hasn't called you to do a wonderful work of ministry in your life. You don't need a great gift for God to use you in a great way. Consider David. When David comes onto the scene, he's a shepherd. He's got a slingshot, but it so did most every boy in that time. It wasn't anything out of the ordinary. What happens? The right moment, the right time, he uses that slingshot to kill the giant. But when he tried to put on the armor of the king, six-foot armor won't work on a five-foot-six boy. All he had was his one little gift, his one little talent, something he had worked with. You do your job honing what God has given you, and God's going to put an opportunity in front of you. That opportunity might look like a giant, but really what it is, it's something to set you up and put you in front of the eyes of the people of influence in your world because it was that moment that got him in front of the king and changed the course of the history of the world. Your gift, if you hone it and you learn who you are, what God's called you to be and what God's called you to do, it'll cause you to slay giants. When he, when he anoints your gifting, you will slay giants and he will put you in places of influence that you have no experience for. How, 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 did, you get that, how did you get that promotion? I don't even know. Yes, you do. God. How, how did you get that opportunity? I don't know. God did it. Because that's what happens when we understand that 
I was not meant to live someone else's life. You were not anointed to live someone else's life. Don't try to be me and I won't try to be you because I was never anointed to be you. I was anointed to be me. I, I, I was praying this morning and I was just praying like, God, I am so grateful that I get to be me. I get to be me today. And I get to say things like, your weave won't wither. And, and, <laughs> but I get, I get to be me and, and, and I'm so grateful to that God. But, but you weren't anointed to be me. You were anointed to be you. And I wasn't anointed to go where you go and do what you do. I I wasn't given the gifts you were. But we can get so busy looking at other people and what they have. I've got to get out of my own way. And I've got to think God thoughts about my life. Because when God breathes on my gift, there is no stopping what he'll do in my life. It doesn't matter if I'm a one-talent guy or a two-talent guy. There is no stopping what God can do. Um, How many of you remember playing with with Play-Doh as a kid? If you didn't, we have a life team for that. <laughs> so I have some life team here, and I'm going to go with uh, uh, the red. I don't need that much. So here's the thing. Every one of us, God made you this. <laughs> what? What did I do now? Oh, we're going to have a Play-Doh small group, okay? And uh, Pastor Lisa, are you volunteering to lead it? No, okay. I'm, I'm closing with this, team, if you'll help me. So God made you this beautiful red Play-Doh. And he wants to work with you. He, he, he is the, the, the one who works with the clay and makes it into something beautiful. But you know what we do? We look around at the other colors. And someone speaks to us and says, you know what you need? You're... you're you're pretty good at red, but you need some blue in your life. You need a little more of what that person has. And so we try to take some blue. We try to be like them, and we try to mix it in to what we are. And then someone else comes along, and they say, you know what, you've got a pretty good personality, but you know, you're just not funny enough. You're just not funny enough. So what we need to do is we need to get some purple in your life, because you need to be more like this person or more like that person you need to do it this way and you need to do it that way because we're convinced that people know what's best for us right because they love us and they have our best intentions all the time and so they convince us to do it a little this and we just needed a little more blue and a little more uh, 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 purple and then someone comes along and says you're not you're you're not good enough in this area of your life what you need to do is you need to add some green you need to be a little bit more like that person over there and so what do we do we take it and we insert it and we put it in all along God made you red play-doh and he made you a beautiful color and he made you just perfect to do exactly what you needed to do in your life to accomplish his purpose You know, the Bible says of David in the book of Acts that he served God's purpose in his generation. You know what that means? He accomplished God's purpose for his life and his generation. With his mess-ups and with his shortcomings and with his mistakes and with his failures, he accomplished God's purpose, but he never tried to be who he wasn't. But not us. We're trying to accomplish God's purpose, but we're trying to do it the way the world tells us to do it. And God knew what the world needs, what your family needed, what your environment needed was more red Play-Doh. But by the time we got through comparing ourselves and trying to be other people, there's no red left to even be seen.
and we're a weird purplish green color and we're wondering you don't go down to the store you don't go buy this color we're wondering why our life doesn't seem to be moving forward why we can't make anything happen like it's supposed to it just doesn't seem to be coming together why because we're busy trying to live other people's lives you were meant to be red play-doh so that God could mold you and shape you stop trying to be somebody else stop trying to be who you're not yeah but Pastor Ren and they've, they've convinced me of that they've convinced me I need more of this and more of that no you don't what you need is God to touch your life and anoint who you, he made you to be where you are is not who you are and what other people tell you you should be if that's different than what God tells you should be then you've got to take those thoughts into captivity you've got to cast down those arguments you've got to cast down those pretenses you know what those pretense or pretensions are it's something that lays claim to it gives title to people are putting titles on you they're putting stuff on you they're laying claim to you and you've taken it on thinking that was right it's not God it's not God mind, my thoughts, they're my own worst enemy, but if I could change my thoughts, God, if you could help me change my mind, then I could change my life. Would you close your eyes and bow your head with me for just a moment? I want to read this verse to you, and I just want you to listen to the power of what it says. 2 Peter verse 1, chapter 1, verse 3. By His divine power, God has given you everything you need for living a godly life. We've received all this by coming to know Him, the one who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. By His divine power, He's already given you everything you need. Whatever's on the other side of the wall, whatever dream, whatever hope, whatever faint thought or idea, God has dropped in your heart and your spirit. I want to declare to you right now that over the next few weeks, these things are going to stir up. Ideas are coming your way, and you're going to be able to sift through the thoughts that are not from God and the thoughts that are from God. If you're watching online, we're going to be able to take every thought into captivity, and we're going to determine, God, is this thought against you? And if it is, I'm casting it out. If this thought is from you, God, then I'm keeping it and I'm taking it on. I'm going to be who you've called me to be, God. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm going to accomplish every purpose that you've placed in my life. If my environment is holding me back, Father, either change it, give me the strength to overcome it, or give me the strength to leave it, whatever that takes. Father, give me the strength to separate what people have said about me from what you have said about me. To know that I was made exactly like you intended me. I want to accomplish my purpose, just as David did in his generation. I thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.